0: that's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF.
1: The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck.
2: All right, I'm then. And uh, you're listening to What The Actual Fuck Podcast. Don't know what the fuck that is. Some shit.
1: Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. What? Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck
0: hey what the actual fuckers and welcome to wtaf of this country podcast now first he's a man who's just got back from the pub after having a go on the punch bag game where it measured his punch strength as pipe cleaner it's neil
2: let's give him a clap let's give him a clap there we are there's my clap And nobody's going to believe me, are they? Because I was the only one in the pub, you see, social distancing. And it was such a good score, but nobody's ever going to believe
0: me. So what do you think you would do on one of those? Have you ever had a go on one of
2: those punch bag games? Uh, I don't think I have, actually. No? Have you? No. No. We'll have to ask our guest whether he has.
0: We will do. Now, our guest on this lockdown special episode, uh, is the man that brings this country all together. He's the big cheese, the numero uno, and the man that was caught on camera sliding on his ass while having a kickabout with Charlie on set. It's the one and only Simon Mayhew Archer. Nice to have you back, sir. Hello. It's very nice to be back.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. Well, uh, first of all, that that clip, did you know that you were being filmed? Do you know about the clip I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I'm all too aware of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you didn't know you were being filmed at that precise moment.
1: Um, no. I all I can say is that the atmosphere on set is uh, a toxic zone of peeping, where <laughs> everybody is filming everybody else the whole time. Really? Yeah. So uh, you're never safe.
0: Right. And so, so when did you know that you'd been filmed? When it was up on social media, or did someone come up and say, "Hey, look at this, Simon."
1: And no, it was Matt Bell who's the first AD, and he is always looking to do something other than his job. And so he was <laughs> watching us play football out the window, obviously filming it. And um, it's just unfortunate that I gave him such good material by falling on my ass.
0: I've
1: there is quite a steep slope in that garden, and there was a bit of dew on the grass.
0: So okay. it wasn't
1: entirely my fault. I had poor footwear on. So. I must admit, I've
0: I've watched it about ten times, and it is it is a classic. Like it needed like a boink sort of sound effect yeah. to go on it.
2: it we should have said so
1: you've been framed and taken the two hundred and
2: fifty. Absolutely, absolutely. that would have been a prime two hundred and fifty. So who's the worst one for doing the filming then?
1: So Charlie? Oh, is he? Yeah, he's relentless, and he's really he's really good at it.
2: What secretly
1: doing it yeah, he's very surreptitious in the way he does it I think he's he's got incredibly long sort of nim like e t fingers <laughs> so I think he's able to manipulate the the like camera phone uh in a way where it doesn't become apparent that he's filming it right. we'll have to keep oh, an yeah. eye on that <laughs> yeah've got more sort of like pasty hands, and so I always used to get caught.
0: <laughs> Pasty Hands and E.T. Fingers. That sounds like a new comedy show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll,
1: let, I'll let you one. I'll let you pitch
0: that one. I think we'll we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. So obviously, um, Series 3 has now come and gone. And um, by the sounds of it, I think it was the 53 million times it had been chosen on the iPlayer. I think it was what? Was it 53 million? I think it was, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It, I think it was fifty-two, but let's say it's gone up to fifty-three now. It's probably fifty-five
0: by now. Yeah. So how does that feel when you you hear those kind of numbers?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely it's it's good. It, but, to be honest, I I don't know enough about how the numbers are correlated. So, and I've never really bought into numbers uh, as a kind of measure of. Um, worth or success so mainly because everything else I've done has never had a good number <laughs> so, it's very important to find your sense of satisfaction in, in other uh, criteria um, no, I mean it's, it's amazing but it just goes to show that you know, there's a lot of people with good taste out there
2: mm. so did the film in the series three go as you expected then Simon
1: yeah it was it was hard it's definitely the hardest series we've done. Um, we had less time to write it, and that always has a knock-on at every level because it just increases the pressure. You know, it's the first time we've gone into production without all of the scripts in you know in a good in a place where we're really happy with them. So we were still you know when we got down to Northleach to start filming, we were still working on the scripts, and that will always create stress so yeah to come out the other end of it with a series that you know i feel is 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 up there in in quality with the other two and some people you know say it's their favorite that's you know that's great and there's always an element to which you know you feel you, we feel like we've got away with it which is always mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. so
0: just by daisy and charlie's own admission when they came in uh they said that they're very lazy when it comes to the writing, and it's you and Tom that sort of wrangle them a little bit. So when you're talking about the pressure of them not actually, the script's not being finished for series three, how hard was it to wrangle Daisy and Charlie into actually sort of being focused?
1: They are the most self-deprecating people you can meet when it comes to talking about their own work. But they're not lazy. There are lazy writers out there. Daisy and Charlie are absolutely not lazy. Daisy is, you know, she's she's uh, how (laughs) would you describe? She's a focused genius, right? So it's like there's a lot of sitting and a lot of vaping, but when the work happens, the work is magic. Mm. Um, and and Charlie is, you know, they're both geniuses, and Charlie is just a, you know, he's the one at the laptop making making it happen and it it was just it's really in that storylining time you know you need the time to go quite far down the road of a bad idea sometimes and the worst thing in the world is where you go down the road of a bad idea and you get to the point where you realize it's a bad idea but by that point you haven't got the you know the rest of the time to get out of it and so suddenly you're forced to try and make something work that doesn't really work. Mm. Um, and so that's always always a challenge. And you know, for example, episode four, which is with with uh, Ray, that was original. You know, that, that really st- that was actually the first episode we started on because we all loved the bit in The Simpsons where all the Simpsons get together. And it's like all of the sort of, I think it's all the male Simpsons are in a like circle and they've got like Tim, like saucepans on their head and they're just like running at each other, whacking heads. And we just thought it would be really funny to do something where you get to see all the mucklows together. And so it was like, okay, well, a funeral is a good time. And then, of course, you know, um, very sad. News came with Michael, and all of a sudden it's like, "Well, we can't do a funeral this episode one anymore." And you know, it all just there were just a lot of you know factors that went into that went into play. Mm. But so, yeah, right. the, the wrangling is 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 the wrangling is the same as on any job. But Daisy mm. and Charlie are not lazy; they're really they're hard workers, and they they put the time and effort into the writing.
2: So you spoke about Michael's episode, the first episode there, addressing um, Michael's passing. How hard was that to get right then, from from
1: your angle? Incredibly hard. Mm. Because you you don't know... There's no rules. You know, first and foremost, he was a really, really lovely, sweet person. And such an integral part of the tone of the show. Because, you know, in the nicest possible way, Michael Slegs was never going to get cast in another comedy programme. Mm-hmm. But this country wouldn't have been a tenth of the show if it wasn't for Michael Slegs. Mm. Like they were inextricably linked. And, you know, he was always... They were always the scenes I looked forward to the most... You know, they were always scenes that Tom, (laughs) you know, feared the most because there's so many unknown elements. Um, But yeah, then so it's like, well, there's no rule book. You're not given any gut. You, You just have to trust your gut. And the gut was, we had to do, we had to deal with it in a way that was still funny, but that didn't just gloss over the fact that he died
2: you
1: know nothing can prepare you for that and again you know it's it's like as a group we come up with the kind of the skeleton and the structure and it's like oh you know it'd be good if this happens because of but the you know the magic is is what happens in that room with daisy and charlie and when they delivered that first scene you go yeah, you've got it. You've nailed, you've said what you want to say and you've said it in the right way and you've captured how we all feel.
2: Mm.
1: And that's, um, you know, that. so uh, it was good. It was like a small good thing that could come out of a very, very sad thing.
0: Yeah. Now, we've got um, a load of questions from fans that we will uh, delve into. But since we last spoke to you, um, the whole things like the BAFTAs all happened... Um, do you want to just talk us through... It's been that long. It has been that long. Do you want to talk us through about sort of those nights and how that felt for you? Uh, or can you not sort of yeah. remember it? I mean, You must be able to remember it. It's a massive, <laughs> massive thing that happened, but...
1: Yeah, i tell you, the one thing I took away is I wouldn't want to go to the BAFTAs and lose. Right. <laughs> because we... Being there and winning was the best feeling in the world, but it's you know you're on a knife edge there mm. um yeah it was it was great i mean you that this stuff you know, I, I still can't quite believe that they read out this country mm. um, but yeah, it was an amazing that's what you that kind of uh accolade is, you know, you don't don't need it to be happy, but it's a nice thing. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: But winning some after, Simon, does it make it easier for when you did, like, the next series to give you a bit more freedom of what you filmed?
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe. We've always been fortunate in the fact that the the first series was so little budget that it was of no, you know... It was of no consequence to anyone. It didn't matter what we were doing. So we were able to do what we wanted. And then because the first series was, you know, good and people liked it, then there's an element to which, you know, the people who work in comedy, like, the, you know, like Shane, the commissioner, and um, yeah, Chris Sussman, who was there, had then come in as the head of comedy, they know to trust people, like, so they trusted us to carry on making good things and they knew that if we ever had a problem, we'd reach out to them and and say, but, you know, Stephen McCrum, who's the exec is, you know, he's an amazing kind of overarching uh, sort of guiding, guiding hand. So that, you know, for example, the stuff with Michael, he was the person I called and I was like, okay, what do I do here? And he was just there, you know, sort of to give past, all care really and and to, um, to help you so mm. but we've always been left alone Like I, I sort of guard it quite closely in that regard so like, i don't i don't like other people interfering i like the show to be sort of our our little baby that we nurture
2: mm. is there ever do they ever interfere with like censorship at all do they ever come down and say look you've can't really say that, or you can say that like with the swearing or textures like that
1: no no we've always um the only thing in the first series was there's like a thing at the BBC called the ed- editorial policy, which is if you're where like if you're worried about something um, you can refer it to them and they can give you sort of gut you know. Higher level BBC guidance on like oh yeah that's a bit dodgy or you should be prepared that this might offend people or upset people and there was a period in time I don't know if it still happens but there was a period at the BBC in BBC comedy where stuff would get sent scripts would get sent to editorial policy kind of just a par for the course mm. so there was someone. There, like, I actually didn't. I, I hadn't signed off on the scripts being sent, and if I'd have known, I would have stopped it. But they got sent, and then someone came back and said, Oh, you can't say this about Fred West, it's really offensive. <laughs> and uh, stuff like that just strengthens my resolve to be like, Oh, well, I'm definitely going to fight for that because that, that's funny, yeah. You know, you have to, the you, you always have to have uh. And a kind of a, an argument. You have to be able to legitimise why you're making You know, you can't just make casually offensive or insensitive jokes. But, you know, for example with that, the whole premise of the joke is that everybody knows that Fred West is evil and disgusting and the crimes he commits are awful. And so it tells you a hell of a lot about Martin Mucklow, that he's willing to sort apart that because he was a really good builder. Yeah. It tells you everything
2: you need
1: to know about Martin Mucklow. Mm. And it's well, not a joke about Fred West.
0: No. I mean, that was one thing he said about Series 3, especially the one episode where Martin Mucklow was back, just how dark that episode was. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't... So, it was funny, but it was it sent a shiver down my spine when he's talking about hovering over Kerry, Kerry's cot with a black, with a with a pillow... But the man is evil. He is just one step away from Fred West.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's kind of um, yeah on the spectrum. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The evil he's, spectrum, he, yeah. He's he's nearer Fred West than he is um, Francis Seaton. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Right, we're going to delve into the uh, into the fan mail bag uh, now, um, Simon. Please be as honest as you can with us.
1: Oh, I will be, don't
0: worry. Right, so Matt Carter says, uh, do you film on an episode-by-episode episode basis or do you film all the scenes at one location and then move on to another location?
1: Yes, we film all the scenes uh, basically by um, based on location. And then sometimes because of cast availability, you might have to shoot, you know, a few scenes and then go back to that location because you've only got the actor for one day or what have you. But yeah, you never you never film in episode order. It's, it would be impossible.
0: That's because that's one of the things that fascinates me. I'm, I'm assuming that's why you have such a a large behind the scenes because you have someone to do continuity and making sure that what they're wearing is the same thing that that goes with the next scene. Is that the sort of thing that you have to be responsible for in the end?
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yes. But, no, there's uh, a lady called Elise, um, who is the script supervisor. So she is... Uh, she's in charge of, like, continuity. And then the heads of department... So, for example, the big one is obviously Costume. Um, and Ashley... Ashley Ann. She is... So she will have she will break down the story and do it all with that with Elise into story days. So it's like Story Day Two. Kerry is wearing this. Curtin is wearing this. So that you know you film this you film film scene from Story Day Two on like day two of shooting, and then you film the next scene in that episode on day ten. It's like you know that they're going to be in that costume from day two, blah blah blah. Right, and we actually make their lives very very difficult because we always, Tom and I, always want to shoot stuff on the fly. So, say we're you know we finish shooting a film in a shooting a scene in a field, and we've got like a spare ten minutes. It's like right, let's go and do a couple of talking heads. Um. Quickly, can we just change their tops so that it can sit anywhere in the episode? And then the costumes always like, oh, but what what story day is this? And it's like, don't worry, it's story day X. It doesn't. Yeah. It's a story day that doesn't exist. And they're like, but how are we going to match it? To, and it's like, don't worry about matching it. And they're like, you're ruining the system. <laughs> and that's kind of the essence of this country is that all of these systems that are put in place to make to help making TVs sort of organised and work. Uh, we take a certain amount of pleasure in blowing
0: up. Right. So when it oh. when it comes to things like having scenes where you're eating, and say so, yeah. if you do like loads of takes, are you, how does that work? Because surely somebody just like becomes full of eating all the time. Or do you have a, a fresh plate of food for the next take? Or
1: yeah, you have a fresh. So that's art department. They'll have like so. For example, episode one when. She's having her sausage, mash, and peas. The art department will have, you know, eight to ten plates of sausage, mash, and peas. So there's as soon as we call cut, there's a new plate ready. And actually, if you look closer, I don't know if you can see it in the... But what Daisy was doing was just eating a few peas around the edge because she, <laughs> she couldn't eat uh, you know, sausage ten times. <laughs>
0: Isn't that the thing that they say in Hollywood? It's like it's small forkfuls, but big mouthfuls. Yeah, is, is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, the,
1: eating food in filming is is a is a sort of notorious minefield. Yeah, and best avoided.
0: It used to frustrate me about Dallas. You'd see that. I'm, I'm, it's a going on a tangent, but you'd see them piling up at breakfast, the Ewings, and then they'd have an argument, yeah. and then they'd storm out, and they'd never eat a, a mouthful of food.
1: Do you know what? I can totally, I totally understand where you're coming from. That's very, very frustrating.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, next, you wanted it, pal. Right. Just yeah. one question, actually, Simon. On the on the filming of things, logistically, how hard was it to do the driving lesson?
1: Uh, Episode. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those where we worried about it a lot in the lead up. So that's sort of generally the, the rule of TV is that everybody, well, everybody over-worries about everything because you want to be prepared for the worst-case scenario. And so it's like, that's why, you know, we changed the vicar's car so that we had more space. The main thing was, was it going to look really boring for a whole episode because we were going to be on the backs of heads? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as we filmed the first thing... It was like, actually, no, because Nick Martin, the DOP, is just so good. You know, he's just, he just gets it. He just follows the action so well. And, and you know, him being able to swing to Kerry and then Charlie and, and obviously getting a bit of give in the, sorry, yeah, yeah, in the rearview mirror, you know, that was the main concern was, was it going to be boring? And then that was quickly, those fears were quickly allayed. Mm. And then it was just, you know, I think Tom, the sound recorder, had about 20 microphones in the car. Right,
2: right. right. So when they're like, when um, the, the Vicar is driving through, well, as you can see, it's North Leach, is that just on a normal day and, and it's not shut off?
1: And the, yeah, that's a, so when, they turn up, when they turn up and there's the ambulance and Len being wheeled into it, most mm. of those people aren't, essays they weren't people we'd hired they were just people from north leach who were coming out to watch right and ordinarily again you know on an ordinary show they that would have been like roped off and they'd have been asked to stand back but on this country it's like these are the people that live here they look great mm. if they want to be part of it and they you know you can't get a better actor than someone who is just watching an ambulance
2: mm. yeah
0: Absolutely right. The next question's uh, just a simple yes or no. This one. This is from Ryan Butler. He said, uh, "Ask him. Does he think that bitch Carol Baskin fed her ex-husband to the tigers?" Um, (laughs) Yes. Ah. Yes. Well, we won't go into the whole uh, thing of that because that's a completely different.
1: Gone. (laughs) Indeed.
0: Uh, Laura Balcom says, "Which actor is the most guilty for corpseing?"
1: Uh, Charlie and Geeve together.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen some of the uh, bloopers that were released, and it seemed to be those two that that sort of pushed each other's buttons a lot for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they've always been they've always been bad for
0: setting each other off. Yeah, because we've sort of said before, there must be bloopers for series one and series two. Is that something that would ever be released or is it just you sort of not really
1: thought about it? Um, Well, weirdly, there was not, like, there weren't loads of bloopers uh, over the first two series. Series one, there was very, like, you know, we shot it in 17 days. There wasn't much excess you know, most of what we shot went in the show. Right. Um, and everybody was very, like, you know, very on it and professional. Yeah, it got a little bit more bloopery in series two. And then by series three, it was sort of demob happy and <laughs>
0: <you> <laughs> just get on with it. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't think they'll will be releasing bloopers from series now.
2: Do you ever look back on series one, Simon, and think whether your producer said, oh, I'd like to change that or, oh, I would have done that differently?
1: You know what, I haven't I haven't watched it for uh, I haven't watched it probably since it went out. So actually no, I I lied. I caught King of the Nerds uh a while ago. I think it was being repeated maybe. Yeah, they they repeated them on BBC One a little while ago. And that was a real ball ache to pull into shape that episode. And the beautiful thing is that when you've gone away from something, because when you've worked on it, it's like you can't. You, you see all of the stitches. You know all of the stress and all of the decisions that went into it. And then I watched it just as a regular TV viewer, and I was like, oh, "Wow, I love this episode. <laughs> it really made me laugh." Um, uh, so no, I also because I am lazy and I I can't bother to go back and try and fix it.
0: <laughs> so there won't be a director's cut or a producer's cut anytime soon. Then
1: no, no one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay Helena White says uh, so my question is and I don't think this has been covered before uh, uh but you may not be able to answer but how do you come up with the episode names does the script come first and then the name or vice versa is the name one of the, th- the last things to fall into place
1: um both sometimes the name comes and then the episode and sometimes the name is the last thing so, King of the King of the Nerds was the second. Ev- the first script we ever wrote was Scarecrow, and King of the Nerds was second because uh, it was based purely. If you can hear that, by the way, sorry, that's my son. He's uh, <laughs> growing teeth at an incredible rate. <laughs> um, so yeah, King of the Nerds that came before the episode, uh, based purely on the idea of you know curtain being sort of, you know, the Pied Piper to two absolute <laughs> Um And then, yeah, other ones come at the end once we sort of have an idea of what they're about, really.
0: Was it on purpose that the very first episode was Scarecrow and the very last episode was Harvest and they're both festivals, so it sort of bookends the whole series together?
1: Uh, yes, that was entirely on purpose, and we had it all planned when we first started. <laughs> the Festival.
0: God, you should have done the Star Wars trilogy, if you planned things like that, it would have been so much better. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, no, I think
1: I'd put that down to serendipity.
0: Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jason Peggs says, were we ever going to meet Polly?
1: Were we ever going to meet Polly? Yeah. No. Um, But it was always one of those, it's probably the one uh, itch that, yeah, is left unscratched, which, particularly when we did The Vicar's Son, it was like, how can we truthfully and realistically not um, have Polly involved in any way? Um, But we didn't. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's an honest answer isn't I it? mean that's
0: about as honest as you can get For that so that that's fair enough Okay uh, James Pottinger Now we're, we're getting into the Getting into the real weeds now So James Pottinger says Who is Curtin's Nan
1: I don't know I was away that oh, day Oh, so...
0: Simon come on You're a professional producer Why would you be away for one day
1: it wasn't even one day.
2: It was just that one hour. <laughs> um, could have just looked away, maybe.
1: Not. not...
0: Yeah. I mean, so you, you've obviously seen who people have, who think they think it is.
1: I haven't seen any of it. Have you not? No. So, so if we me...
0: if we gave you some names, would you say yeah. that? Yeah. So we we think. Wow. Well, yeah. I've I, I've forgotten a name. <laughs> the, the general consensus is it's Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. That's who we thought.
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think
2: it's Danny DeVito myself.
1: but y- Yeah. Uh... When he's not playing
2: Bravo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so the other one then. And this is the one that I have to take take umbrage with you Um Curtain's half-brother. Now, yeah. you, you actually went online and officially said that it was Mackenzie Crook. <laughs> didn't <laughs> yeah. you? You officially put on there and said, well, yeah, it's Mackenzie Crook. It's
1: fish, not yeah.
0: It's not exactly. Mackenzie Crook, is it? It's not. Come on. Why do I feel like um, I'm Paxman I, I was, now, <laughs> grilling an MP? I won't lie.
1: I was absolutely astonished that anybody could look at that photo and think that it was Mackenzie Crook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But if the, if there's one thing I've learned about my humour, it's that most of the time people don't get it. Right, right. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, I always end up with people not getting it, and I think oh,
0: So so basically, then we can we can put draw a line under it and say that it's not Mackenzie Crook, and it is Tilda Swinton.
1: Yeah. It, it it's not Tilda Swinton who played curtains
0: now. No, it's not. Right. It was Mackenzie Crook. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm never going to get Paxman's job, am I? If I can't grill you about Ker- uh, Kurt- uh, now- I and mean, that. Oh, oh, anyway, let's go on to the next question. Sabrina John <laughs> just says, just beg him to do another series. So we beg you. <laughs> I mean, how much of it is in your hands as to whether there would be another series or is it entirely up to Daisy and Charlie?
1: Yeah, it's it's um it's not in my hands at all. But for what it's worth, I I we all wanted to finish up after three.
2: Oh right. right, okay. Now a lot of people online, Simon, are saying that it's definite there's gonna be a Christmas special. Uh
1: this year, but they 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 know more than I do. All right, there you go. Right. I'm
0: never playing poker with this man. Let me put it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wouldn't get your hopes up about a Christmas special,
2: right? Okay. Right. What about a movie?
1: The, honestly, it's there's at the moment this country is, as far as I'm aware, finished.
2: Right. There's no more.
0: There you go. Okay. So now I've got us to say some um, some Twitter names now. So there's a lot of underscores on some of these. So at C Hamilton underscore. Asks, who plays Curtains Nan? No, that's it. I mean, that is his question, <laughs> but we're not going to, we've, we've had the answer for that. Uh, another one that he asked is, could you make a Big Mandy spin off? Now, the thing is, I mean, obviously, it's all about whether well, Daisy and Charlie, but are there any characters that you think could naturally have a spin off? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Vicar
1: could obviously have a spin off. I just don't know who would have necessarily the – I don't – I don't know. Mm. I don't know who has the appetite to do it.
0: No. I think just story-wise, I think the Vicar in Vicar's adventures in Bristol could be quite interesting. Whether it be f- funny, I don't know. It could be quite a hard-hitting, real-life drama kind well, of thing.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it would – I think it would be funny, but the point is, it's like, well, what show? You're just making red, aren't you? That's true. What are the stories you're going to tell?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless he did a travel show. I'd quite like to see his travel show. He's so calming that just to watch him travelling around would be quite nice, I think.
1: Yeah, I think there's a name for that. They call it Slow TV. (laughs) Yeah, that'll do. (laughs) On a train.
0: His train journeys. Great British train journeys.
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of uh, Michael Portello's train programs. So I'd 100% take that with, uh, with Guy.
0: Mm. Yeah. You um, should do it. The last one from at C Hamilton underscore, and this is uh, totally selfish on our part, but we know you've got a lot of sway in the show business world, Simon. <laughs> um, can <laughs> you get Kathy Burke to guest on the podcast?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least it's truthful. So that's the most
0: honest question and answer that he's given us the whole uh, for the whole podcast. Right at Mark underscore B underscore K, uh, was it a conscious choice to have no theme tune or song?
1: Uh, I'm going to suggest that that is a stupid question.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because. It's, it's entirely rhetorical because the alternative is that it was an unconscious decision, which would imply that we just somehow forgot to put music on the program. Oh, right.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. yeah.
1: So, yes, obviously, it was a conscious decision. Everything that makes it on the screen is basically a conscious decision. Yeah.
0: Okay, Uh, at Mark underscore B underscore K. Um, Please don't unfollow us on Twitter, Um, although Simon (laughs) has just called it a stupid question. Okay, (laughs) Um, now this goes a little bit to what Neil just uh, asked, Um, so it it sort of renders it sort of useless, really. But will the Christmas special reference the current lockdown? Uh, Lens hoarding ultimately saving the village storyline. But there's not going to be a Christmas special, so we can... uh, We'll... we'll... (laughs) go away from that one uh, at Connor underscore with one N underscore with this country becoming known to a wider audience by series three do you think BBC three was the right home for the show or do you think it would have worked as a BBC one mainstream comedy aimed at a larger demographic uh, well it's
1: no I mean it, it, it went on it, the obviously all three series went on BBC One Mm. um, and did what you know, that last series did really good figures for BBC One.
0: I don't know whether he means maybe like prime time, nine o'clock. To
1: to launch launch it, prime time on on BBC One, I think we would have been... There would have been uh, too much pressure to make it sort of... um, I guess, broader and more accessible to tone down the swear. you know, that's when you would have run into some of the buffers. Mm. So, no, BBC Three was, was always a, a, you know, felt like a good fit. And there was a period where, you know, and I, I say this honestly, like way back when, I, there was very little on BBC Three that I liked. And mm. now, you know, BBC Three has a roster of basically all of the best comedies that I love on British on mm. television.
2: And I would say that at 155 million streams, I'm going to put it at that now, you, <laughs> yeah. you're quite mainstream now.
1: Well, exactly. You know, the whole concept of what is mainstream, It's I've always found it strange that people, you know, it's quite, I find it sweet but people, you know, get worked up about it being on a specific channel. It's like, as long as it's not hidden and people can find it, then who cares what the, mm. what the number is at the beginning or the end of it. Mm. And it
0: is also the fact that, because that, obviously a lot of people are upset because it's finished and, and there's no new this country, but it's always going to be there for people to be able to watch and and discover and, and um, share with other people. Um, the one thing I was going to ask is, are you surprised with how many people in the business seem to really, really love the show as well. And you get a lot of feedback from people in the business.
1: Yeah, that's been amazing because that's, you know, I, you know, people who I really, like, absolutely love and respect and think are phenomenal. You know, like, when Armando first tweeted about it, that was, he is my hero, you know. He's who I kind of I've tried to, um, you know, I've I've aspired to be like him and looked up to him since I, you know, was very very young, and then like Robert Popper was really nice about it. I got a Facebook message from David Earle who plays Brian Gittings and he's one of the funniest people out there, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, really, you you want to comedy is a small world. And it's a real high wire act and it's hard and it's stressful and it's very exposing Mm. and there's nothing worse than, you know, (laughs) let me tell you, I know, there's nothing worse than making jokes that fall flat and no one gets. So when you make something that people really respond to and, you know, comedians respond to, it's really, it's fantastic. It's such a, it's a real boost.
0: So did Monday nights become quite sort of nervous for you when, just as the show's about to drop on BBC Three, would you be just checking Twitter to see how people would be reacting? Or are you of the sort of mind that you sort of think, well, it's out there now and and what people think is what people think?
1: Uh, yeah, on the, fir- the first series, I was very, like, I was all over, like, Twitter, searching it and trying to find out, you know, how it was going down. Really, because you want to... Make sure that it's actually gone out. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the third, like, I, I got to be honest, I don't, I don't watch the episodes when they when they go on TV. All right. I, go and do I go and do something else.
0: Right. And have you noticed sort of how fans have taken to to certain phrases and certain catchphrases? If you like, have, has any of them surprised you? In regards to some that have really sort of caught on y-
1: yes yeah i mean the it always it, there's like basically there will always be jokes or lines that like when i first that you know first read the script or when we're like talking about the ideas that I will absolutely love, like for example, in this latest series, when I first read in the Len being catfished storyline the scene where Curtin says to Arthur you know oh big jugs mean anything to you and then like what do you need to shave fanny for (laughs) it's like that is sort of stand on your chair punch the air because just like that is such a funny joke Mm. and it just made me cry with laughter and there's just the and it's like, well, you know when you've got, because you already are desperate to film it. You're like, I cannot wait for the day we're going to film that. Mm. And then it goes out and it's like, it doesn't really, you know, you, I didn't see many people quoting that particular line. Whereas in second series, there's a bit where in Steam Fair, where Charlie um, calls the guy Red Riding Twat. Which I regard as like, and we took we joked about it because I was like, it's so, it's so basic. There's no like, there's nothing, like, there's no wordplay or like anything really clever about that. And yet, that's the one. You know, you you watch the episode go out, and everybody is tweeting, going, "Red Riding Twat," crying, <laughs> laughing, emoji. You go, you know what? Sometimes you just got to give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So what's uh, obviously this country now? finished and in the can and out and everybody's enjoying it and loving it. What's in the future for you? Anything that you can tell us about? What sort of things have you got in the pipeline?
1: Well, I, so I've started my own independent production company, um, which I've been, has been like bubbling away for a while. And then weirdly the investment came through during the pandemic nice so odd odd timing um but fortuitous timing because otherwise i'd have been um up shit creek as they <laughs> say um so yeah that's so me and stephen have started that and yeah i'm i'm just got a bunch of um ideas in development with various people and uh the, the job really is you 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 work them up you try and uh you know create really good compelling ideas and then you hope that a broadcaster will will trust you to you know make them mm.
0: and is that still in the comedy genre is it, or different
1: things yeah yeah co- like scripted so comedy comedy drama i um, you know i'd love to you know I'm, i'd love to do a drama if a good idea comes along and you know we're allowed to make it then that would be great mm. i sort of think that the, the In TV, the genres have always been quite discreet. Um, But I think that those sort of lines are starting to blur a little bit. You know, you look at something like Succession, that's made by a lot of comedy people, but it's some of the best drama on TV. Yeah.
0: Well, once Neil and I have worked out the pitch for uh, pastry hands and et fingers, um, we You've will. Got, email... you got
1: the title wrong straight away. It's what? pasty hands. Oh, sorry, pasty,
0: pasty hands. Well, I'm just changing pasty. it a bit, maybe, maybe make it pastry <laughs> instead of pasty. pasty. You know, I'm just sort of reworking it as we're as we're we just you know
1: you know. Come on, doing... veto, you're better than this. <laughs> I
2: was going to
0: script. Why haven't you learnt your lines? Pastry <laughs> hands sounds pretty I feel like I've fallen at the first hurdle straight away. That's he's. Neil, he's never going to take our calls now. That's it. Oh, will.
2: Remember, just keep changing it every time. <laughs> Pastel hands next time.
0: Oh, dear. Well, Simon... Simon, I have a question. Oh, I have
2: one more. Yep. The American remake, do you have any involvement or do you have anything to do with that?
1: No. Simple. <laughs> Move on. And
0: on that bombshell, as Alan Partridge would say, um, Simon, we just want to say... Um, you've always been very, very kind and generous with your, your time with us, you know, just two guys in a little shed um, while you create this masterpiece of British comedy that is going to live forever. As far as we're concerned. Um, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done. And um, you're not going to cry, are you? <laughs> cause I might. <laughs> no, I just want to say, cause you've you've, you've, you've always been really, really kind and generous to us. And, um, and we said the same thing to Tom and we said the same thing to Daisy and Charlie, that uh, what you've created and, and what you've given all of the fans is um, a work of art. It really is. And thank you so much for everything that you've done over the last three or four years. Um, and may everything be a complete success for everything in, for you in the future.
1: Well, bless you. It's honestly, I cannot tell you how honoured I feel to, you know, it. It's been a, a total joy from day one. And to have you guys and, you know, all the fans out there. Got to give a shout out to Barnsey. Oh, Barnsey! Probably, probably beavering away on one of his re-edits, as we speak. Probably. Um, you know, and Debs and Emma, like, the sort of, the early adopters, sweet, really, really sweet people. And I've said it before, It's it's a nerve-wracking thing, making them comedy programmes and all you want is for people to like them and if people love them then that's the best feeling in the world so thank you thanks for being nice
0: well we're just fans of something you've created I think that's that's all we can say Um, and I think
2: we are watching your next stuff with bated Breath as well and supporting that absolutely we will
1: yeah well I hope it's um, it probably won't be as good as this country but hopefully it'll have its own its own charms and you know well, be of, a, of a decent caliber.
0: When everyone mm. sees the first episode of Panty Hands and ET Fingers,
1: <laughs> it'll do be it. great, and I can feel oh. the Baftas coming
0: up as as we
2: speak. Yeah.
0: Uh Simon, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you again. Good luck for everything in the future.
2: Thank you, Simon.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And Neil, you. if you want to get off and do your uh, bits and pieces,
2: this is what you, <sighs> is your big moment now. Yes, absolutely. Let's try not to balls this up. So you can find us on all the social media under WTAF This Country. You can email us at WTAF, this Country at hotmail.com and our website is WTAFpodcast.com. Well done. You've been practising that, haven't you? And you can uh,
0: also help us out by dropping us a dollar uh, at patreon.com forward slash WTF. Got loads of lovely uh, rewards there for everybody. Uh, That's it. So uh, there's another lockdown episode gone. Thank you very much, Simon.
1: Thank you, lads. I feel uh, we've been a bunch of happy dogs in fields running around (laughs) wagging our tails.
0: Indeed. Thank you very much, Neil. Go off and deliver your goods now to all the
2: uh, people of Britain. The wanting public, indeed, and thank yeah, you very much.
1: Good work, you're essential, Neil.
2: Thank you very much, Simon. At least one person thinks <laughs> so. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And go and get plumbed, you fuckers.
1: Scarecrow festival is like the most important day of the year. What? That cow? This is just ridiculous. What
2: the actual? Fuck. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil.
0: We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the top 10 of anything podcast.
2: Phenomenal.
0: That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own top tens to the pod. Yes. It could be top 10 scary movies, top 10 swear words, top 10 breakfast foods, yum, yum. anything. Oh, you saucy devil.